0: Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said, you are God's. And all of your children, all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. And we have a sermon today coming out of uh, Exodus 18. We're finishing this chapter this week. It's Exodus 18, verses 13 through 27. This is entitled, A Man of Wisdom and Understanding. Verse 13, and so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, <laughs> and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw that he had did for the people, he said, What this? what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, And I make the name, make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. But both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, For they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. In the previous sermon, we saw that the account here in Exodus 18 actually belongs in the middle of Numbers chapter 10 chronologically. However, it is placed between the war with the Amalekites and the giving of the law for several reasons. The placement after the war with Amalek was explained. However, the second half of the verses in this chapter is partly given prior to the giving of the law to teach us that even though the law is given, there needs to be structure in how it is dispensed to the people. God gave the law to Moses, who then instructed the people in the execution of the law. But this was cumbersome and tedious. Today, Moses will be given instruction on how to better handle the things of God and the things of man. It is accounts like today's that convince me that God does not speak to individuals at this time except through his word. He spoke to Moses and then through the prophets. He spoke to the people of Israel through his son, Jesus. And then he spoke through the apostles. When he finished speaking through the apostles with that final word in the Bible in Revelation 22, verse 21, which is, Amen, he finished speaking. We have now been given the full and complete revelation of God in this manner. And so he expects us to read it, to teach it, to pass it on, to assimilate it, to be obedient to it, and to not stray from it. We neither need extra biblical revelation, nor would it be productive to his people to provide it. And one more thing, we are especially to never add to it, nor subtract from it. Our text verse today comes from Job 33, it is verse 33, hold your peace and I will teach you wisdom. When you read the words of the Bible, you are receiving God's instruction to you. It's a large book and it can be easily mishandled and so it takes thoughtful care and wise, prudent teachers to share it properly. Today we will see the best framework for how the word should be shared. There are easy aspects of the word which can be taught and decided upon at the lowest levels, and there are more difficult issues which need to be handled at higher levels. A small group may need an issue resolved which the deacons can handle. The deacons may need to go to the elders, and the elders may need to go to the pastor. If the pastor is competent and was selected according to biblical guidance, he should be well qualified to handle the matter at hand. In the end, God wants his word understood, because it tells us of his love for us in the giving of his son and his son is found revealed in the pages of this precious superior word and so let's turn to that precious word once again and may god speak to us through his word today and may his glorious name ever be praised i have three thoughts for you today the first is moses sat to judge the people it's verses 13 through 16 Moses has already pictured Christ, the human redeemer of his people. In today's account, he will picture Christ as the lawgiver and judge of his people. However, he will also be seen to pass on those duty in part to subordinates below him. In this, he will picture Christ as the one who passes on the penning of his laws and his words to his apostles and those below them in the church as well. And so we begin today with Verse 13. Verse 13, and so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. The next day after Jethro's arrival and after the sacrifice and feast that was held, Moses went directly back to his duties as the judge of the people. What the coming words imply is that Moses actually left his duties on the day of Jethro's arrival rather than calling him to appear before him while he continued his duties. It shows immense respect and honor was afforded to Jethro upon his arrival. What was seen in those verses where he went out to meet him, bowed down before him, and kissed him was really only a portion of the honor that was bestowed upon him. Even more is seen now in that he was willing to leave his duties that he held as being the judge of Israel in order to meet and fellowship with Jethro. However, the next day finds him once again in his position as the judge of Israel. As is seen in the Bible and in the history of extra-biblical nations as well, the ruler of a nation also acted quite often as the judge of the people. This tradition carried on in Israel throughout their history. During the time of the judges, the people came to the judge who was also Israel's leader. This continued on all the way through Samuel the prophet, but it didn't end with him. The king of Israel also judged cases. An example is found in the account of the woman from Tekoa in 2 Samuel chapter 14. She appeared before David and petitioned him concerning a legal matter involving her son. It's a great story and today would be a really good day for you to take a moment and to read it, especially because I will quiz you on it next week. In this great tradition, Moses didn't let even the visit of Jethro continue to keep him from his duties of judging Israel. Let's remember from last week's passage that this is occurring after the giving of the law. The account is not chronological, okay? This would have occurred most probably between Numbers 10, verse 10, and Numbers 10, verse 11. Therefore, the tabernacle is already built. Moses would probably be sitting at the entrance to the tabernacle. In the book of Judges, the tabernacle was located at Shiloh. It was to this place that the people would come. Like there, the tabernacle is the logical place for Moses to have sat and to have judged Israel. Verse 13 going on, And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. The number of people in the camp was probably between two and three million. This is the size of a rather large city. And so the record of Moses sitting all day long judging cases is not only probable, it would have been chaos if he didn't. He had received the law, and therefore he had to make the law known and to judge cases as they arose. As no directions for a governmental structure were given by the Lord during the giving of the law, there would only be the ruler and the priests designated to minister to the people at this point. Moses would have been as busy as a bee discharging his duties. Many scholars tie in his judging of the people here, with the war of the Amalekites in the previous chapter, saying that he was busy deciding about war booty and the like. This is not correct. As I said, this account was placed here out of chronological order. Even without a war, there would still be multitudes of cases to judge every single day. Verse 14, so when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? As a reminder, the word chatan, or father-in-law, is probably, and this is just speculation, but it's probably better translated as brother-in-law, but it can't be sure either way. Whatever he was in relation to Moses, he was in such a standing that he could openly question him about his practices. The question he asks is intended to get Moses to first think through his position before he gives his advice. We do this all the time in order to prepare a person that we're speaking to for the giving of advice that will follow hey, can I tell you something? You know, you kind of give a a little preparatory statement and that's what he's doing. To Jethro, it's obvious what Moses is doing, but his words pierce into the problem that he perceives with it. And so he continues, verse 14 going on, why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Along with the probing questions to get Moses to consider the advice which is coming, he includes several nuances for his ears. First, he uses the terms sit and stand to contrast Moses' position as the judge and the people's position as those petitioning the judge. Secondly, the word alone, which in Hebrew is badad, is actually emphatic, lebadecha. Why do you alone sit in this particular manner? Jethro, in advance of his advice, is continuing to prepare Moses for conducting his duties in a better way. And to fully set the tone for what is coming, he completes his thoughts with the mentally tiresome words "min boker ad erev," or from morning until evening. Each word has been selected to prompt Moses to first think through and then to defend what should not be defended. When this is done, Jethro will then give advice that will literally change the world for many people throughout the ages. And as a squiggle for your brain, this word alone, or badad, is used for the first time here in the Bible. In this noun form, it's only going to be used 12 times. It gives the idea of separation, like a shoot branching off from a plant, or something solitary and alone. When a person had leprosy, they were to dwell alone. This is the idea of this word. Moses was alone in his duties. Verse 15, and Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Moses will supply Jethro with two reasons for his actions. The first is in this verse. It is a clear statement. Because the people come to me to inquire of God. However, this needs to be explained. Moses didn't sit in his chair as an oracle and speak words as if the Lord were speaking through him like charismatic preachers claim they do today. Nor did he simply make things up as he went, speaking as if he were speaking words for God, as cult leaders do today. Instead, he received the law and he was interpreting that law according to how it was revealed to him, just as a sound preacher should do. If a matter arose which had not been delineated in the law, he would go to seek God's guidance instead of deciding on his own. We'll see an example of that later. In this, Moses is picturing Christ again, who said these words to Israel in John chapter 12. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, But the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting, life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Moses set the pattern in that he did not speak under his own authority, but under the authority of God and only those words that he had received from God. When Jesus says in John 12 that he did not come to judge the world, it does not mean that he is not the judge of the world, but that as the judge, it is in accord with the word of God. This is the same as Moses. Moses was the judge, but his judgments were to be based on the word of God, which had been revealed to him. This is seen in his second reason, which he now relays to Jethro verse 16. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one another. Benson almost humorously notes that if the people were as quarrelsome with one another as they were with God, he had many causes brought before him, and the more because the trials put them to no expense. In other words, the people had been constantly quarreling to Moses among one another and about God since the moment that they left Egypt. If they did this towards their leader and their God who could hold them accountable, how much more between one another who really couldn't? And further, one could bring suit against another and it wouldn't cost them a dime for the legal process. Think of how litigious our society is and then double that because there were no lawyer fees to worry about. Poor Moses. He would sit all day long and hear their whining, but in the end, It was he who had their laws and he who needed to show them God's will as was revealed to him. Verse 16 going on, And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. There's an article in front of God in this verse. It says, And I make known the statutes of the God and his laws. And it's not a superfluous addition, but it is a necessary emphasis to show that when they inquire of him, it is not his own statutes and laws. The word God in the previous verse simply said Elohim. Elsewhere in the Bible, judges are often called Elohim. To ensure that it was understood that the laws came from God and not from Moses, the definite article is placed in front of Elohim. It says Ha Elohim, or The God. It is He alone who gives the laws to Israel. Unfortunately, not one Bible version or one commentary highlights this. And yet, it is a key and principal tenet of doctrine which is being displayed in this single definite article. And that's why it's so important to understand because it is the word of God that we hold to. We are not charismatics where we speak God's word right through us like a conduit oh, the Lord just told me something. And we're not cult members who say, I am giving the word, this is the word of the Lord. We don't do that. Instead, we are correct in our theology. We take the word of God and we explain it to other people. It's very important that one single definite article shows us the difference between the three. Benson provides a wonderful thought on verses 15 and 16. He says, the people came to inquire of God and happy it was for them that they had such an oracle to consult. Moses was faithful both to him that appointed him and to them that consulted him and made them know the statutes of God and his laws. His business was not to make laws, but to make known God's laws. His place was but that of a servant. Who will tell us the laws of God? Who will reveal to us his will? How can we live rightly in this world we trod unless we, his words, our soul will fill? Where can we go to know his laws for us? Who has spoken the things for us to do? I have heard about the word of God, Jesus, and that it is what he speaks that we should pursue. And so I will open up this marvelous book. I will search out the mysteries of this superior word. All of my life, I will open it and look. And through it, I will be pleasing to Jesus, my Lord. Our second thought today is, and God will be with you. Verses 17 through 23. Verse 17. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. I should remind you that the name Jethro was used seven times in verses 1 through 12, last week's sermon. However, it's never mentioned in verses 13 through 27, not once. Instead, five times he is simply called Moses Chatan, or relation through marriage, father-in-law, brother-in-law, whatever. In this capacity, he is acting as a wise counselor and not a mere relative or friend. And so, with his ears filled with Moses' reply, he responds with an honest direct and poignant rebuke, not good is the word you accomplish. Moses' words have failed to convince him that the arrangement is a satisfactory one. There's a moral element to his logic which needs to be addressed. It is not morally good to give one person such power. It is wrong because of where it could lead, either intentionally or unintentionally through abuse. Jethro doesn't mention this, but it is a truth which permeates both scripture and human history. All of human governments end up devolving when one has too much power. And there is also another moral reason which he will address directly. Verse 18, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. The verse in Hebrew begins with the these words, or something like wearing away You will wear away also yourself and also the people. Jethro pulled out his Hebrew dictionary and introduced a new word into scripture, repeating it twice for emphasis. It is the word nabel. It gives the idea of disgrace, dishonor, lightly esteem, come to nothing, make vile, or wither. In the context of his words, withering or wearing out is appropriate, as if Moses were a leaf which would wither from a tree and then fall down to the ground his words imply that it is morally unacceptable to continue to pursue this path because it will lead to his inability to properly perform his duties at the same time it will lead to the inevitable dissatisfaction of the people having to wait extended periods of time to obtain justice in this they would eventually either rebel or take matters into their own hands Either way, moral deficiency is the inevitable result. Verse 18 continues. For this thing is too much for you, and you are not able to perform it by yourself. This portion of verse 18 is the key to the entire passage. He informs Moses that the burden is too heavy, the word is chaved for him to carry it alone. It is a task which he is incapable of performing alone. Again, he uses the same word with the same emphasis that he introduced into the Bible back in verse 14. Lebadecha. Moses alone, you cannot accomplish this massive task. Verse 19 Listen now to my voice, I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Again, Jethro introduces a new word into the Bible, Ya'atz, or to advise or counsel. It is interesting that a Gentile is noted as the first counselor in this manner in the entire Bible, and he to the leader of God's people. The significance of this should not be missed. Enoch was a non-Hebrew, and yet it was he who walked with God and was no more because God took him. Such interesting clues are given throughout Scripture to show that God looks on the heart, not on externals. In his counsel, he notes that God will be with Moses in his decision concerning his advice. In his first words, he removes the thought of Moses sitting in judgment, which was noted in verse 13 and which Jethro highlighted in verse 15. Instead, he tells him to stand. Verse 19 continuing, stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. In this, the legislative function is reserved to God. He is the one who sits, nobody else. Moses will perform the mediatorial function of receiving the law from God, as well as carrying the requests of the people to God for him to hear and act upon. And again, another word is introduced into scripture from Jethro's mind, mul. It means front or in front of, and thus it gives the idea of being a representative before God. It is derived from the word mul, which means to circumcise. The idea is that just as circumcision stands in front of a person and acts as a representative of their status, so Moses would stand as a representative before the Lord. In this verse, God is mentioned three times. In the last two, there is an article placed before the word God. Here is how it would properly read. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before the God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to the God. As you can see, the article is important in obtaining the correct sense of what's being relayed. Jethro knows that God is God, and so he doesn't use the article in the first instance. However, to emphasize that Moses is ministering before the only God on behalf of the people and not administering his own justice, he then uses the article. Verse 20. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Again, Jethro introduces a new word for us to consider, zahar or teach. This comes from a word which means to gleam or figuratively to illuminate. Even in English, we get the sense of that when we speak of teaching and learning. When something is understood, it is said to illuminate our minds. Aha, now I see. Here the word is in the emphatic form. Jethro is emphatically stating that Moses is to be the teacher in four specific areas. First, the statutes, hahukim, which are the specific enactments for the people to live by. Secondly, the laws or hatorot, which are those items which regulate and govern conduct and behavior. Third, the way, or hadarek which is the proper path and course of duty in accord with the ordinances and the laws. And fourth, the work, or ha ma which is the specific acts associated with the ordinances and the laws. In reality, this list which Jethro gives to Moses is now almost a mirror reflection of the duties of a preacher today. Paul sums up the same basic thought to his protege Timothy. Here's what he says. If you instruct the brethren in these things... You will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that is now and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor... And suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Verse 21. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Again, a new word is introduced for shall select. Shall select. It is chazah, and it means to see or behold. It comes from a root, which means to gaze at or to contemplate. The advice isn't just that Moses should go out and, you know, point out a bunch of people as leaders, but that he should carefully evaluate those he is going to select. They were first and foremost to be able men. The word is chayil, or literally men of valor. It is the same word that was used to describe Boaz in the book of Ruth. To define what such a man is like, he first says that they are to fear God. Without this attribute, no other attribute will be unyielding in the face of trial. Only after that does he say that they should be men of truth and hating covetousness. If they don't fear God, then neither lesser attribute can be truly assured. Jethro's words here follow through even into the New Testament. Paul's words in 1 Timothy chapter 3 use the same general sentiments for the selection of both elders and deacons which are given right here with these qualifications set jethro now divides the entire congregation according to the decimal system it's a bottom heavy system which gradually works up according to the steps of a pyramid until finally reaching the highest point at the top It is, in essence, the very foundation of the original idea of the American government, which looked to the diffusing of power to the lowest level possible so that the top would only be necessary in the most difficult cases. Verse 22, and let them judge the people at all times. The lowest level possible is given the authority to judge. In this, Jethro has pointed out that it is one thing for Moses to lay down the principles, but it is another thing entirely for them to be applied. The application belongs as close to the source of the matter as is possible, and it is to be this way at all times. Instead of scheduled times of judgment with a single judge where delays could occur, there would be an immediate resolution to each and every case, or it could be quickly passed up the line to the next level for decision. It is a concept which Solomon writes about in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Whether there is a delay of judgment or a delay for judgment, only discontent and greater moral decay will result. Jethro's recommendations will alleviate both. Verse 22 going on. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. In the church, God is the lawgiver through his prophets and his apostles. From there, different sized churches are organized to handle the problems at the lowest level possible for that denomination. Greater problems are to be elevated to the point where they can be resolved without troubling each higher authority. It is also not at all unlike large corporations today. Jethro set a standard 3,500 years ago, which has proven the most effective model of all for the governing of man, be it in religion or be it in business. Verse 22 continues, so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. The word for so it will be easier is vehakel. It means to make light. It is then in contrast to the heved or heaviness of verse 18. That which was heavy and tiring would become light and manageable for Moses. Jethro's words were both calming and comforting to the certainly weary leader of Israel. Verse 23, if you do this thing and God so commands you. I read 20 versions of the Bible for each sermon, each verse as I go along. Of the 20 versions that I read for this, all of them but two give the sense of Moses going to God and receiving approval for these instructions. If you do this thing and God so commands you. One that doesn't is the Dewey Rhymes, which says, Thou shalt fulfill the commandment of God. That doesn't make any sense, as there's no specific commandment of God concerning it. However, the English Standard Version says, If you do this, God will direct you. Of these versions, to me, this one makes the most sense. It seems to carry the idea correctly. First, there's no record of Moses asking God whether this was right to do or not. And secondly, there is no article in front of God here. In line with his other words, it would be likely that if Moses were to receive instruction from God concerning this, he would have said, if the God commands you, because he's already set the precedent how many times. However, he didn't. And finally, it is in line with his words of Deuteronomy chapter 1, where he recounts the story that we're looking at right here. Let me read you these uh nine verses or ten verses and i spoke to you at that time this is moses speaking to all of the people of israel at mount horeb before they go into the promised land and i spoke to you at that time saying i alone am not able to bear you the lord your god has multiplied you and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude may the lord god of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you how can i alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. And you answered me and said, the thing which you have told us to do is good. Moses is kind of taking credit for Joseph's, uh, Jethro's recommendation here. He continues, so I took the heads of your tribes, wise and knowledgeable men, and made them heads over you. Leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers for your tribes. Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Hear the causes between your brethren— And judge righteously between a man and his brother or the stranger who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid in any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you, bring it to me, and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things which you should do. Throughout these words in Deuteronomy, Moses never says that he was commanded by God. Instead, it shows that he took the initiative. It implies that God allowed Moses to determine how his law would be carried out. In other words, his concern is that they are carried out. Moses' concern was how to make that possible. Verse 23 continues, so then you will be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. For the sake of Moses and the people he led, he gave the sound advice which was both followed by Moses and which eventually did lead them to their place, meaning Canaan, in peace. In Canaan, the format of government was modified for national living, but it maintained the same general concept found in Jethro's words right here. Keep the authority in the hands of those you can trust, but keep it at the lowest level too. You need to do this. It is a must. And if you do, it will go well with you. Don't let the government get too heavy at the top. If you do, there will be unhappiness in the land. People will lose their heart and their anger will pop. And the breakdown in society will be sadly grand. Oh, if we had only paid heed to the lesson of Jethro and continued in this land with lower levels in control, but those days have passed us and surely we know we have dug ourselves into a heavy government hole. Our third thought today, return to Midian, which is verses 24 through 27. Verse 24, so Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. This verse seems to confirm that Moses was given the authority to decide the structure of the government under him. There is no indication that he went to God and asked if this advice was okay. Instead, he simply implemented it. As Adam Clark points out, he says, As the council was doubtless inspired by the divine spirit, we find that it was sanctioned by the same, for Moses acted in every respect according to the advice he had received. It was already seen in the first 12 verses of the chapter that Jethro was accepted by God. Therefore, his advice is likewise acceptable for the administration of God's people. Verse 25, and Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers Mm -hmm. of tens. As recommended by Jethro, Moses followed through with the advice, appointing rulers in a bottom-heavy manner. However, there is one point which isn't evident here, but which was seen clearly in Moses' words of Deuteronomy 1, which I just read you. Instead of selecting all the rulers personally, it says he gave the right of choosing the capable men to the people, and then he approved them. This is perfectly in line with Jethro's intent and his words. It is the same pattern that was later used by the apostles in Acts chapter 6 when selecting deacons for the ministry. Here's what it says there. Therefore, brethren... Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas as a a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Like the apostles, this organizational structure kept the matters of less importance where they could most easily be handled. And this is exactly what resulted with Moses, verse 26. So they judged the people at all times. This is a confirmation of verse 22, which said, and let them judge the people at all times. Just as Jethro had recommended, so they did. The lower levels of authority administered justice anytime it was needed and were there to do so at all times. Verse 26 continues. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. The words of this verse are actually confirmed in several stories which interspersed the years of Israel in the wilderness. In Numbers 15, they had just such a case. Here's what it says. Now, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. Another such case involved the five daughters of Zelophehad, And it concerned their inheritance rights. The lower levels could not agree on how to handle the matter, and so it was brought to Moses, who then went to the Lord concerning it. So I'd like you to take time to read today Numbers 27, verses 1 through 11. It is a story that is so important that parts of it are repeated in five different parts of the Old Testament, from the book of Numbers all the way to the book of Chronicles. One final note on the account of Jethro's advice before we look at our last verse of the day, we should note with care that the term Lord, L-O-R-D, or Jehovah, has not been used even once in the verses we looked at. Though it was used six times in the previous 12 verses, it is excluded from these last 15 verses. The reason is that even though Jehovah is God, just as Jesus is God, there are roles assigned within the Godhead. The issuing of the word comes from God, even though the word is God. This is perfectly in line with Jesus' words of John 12 that I cited towards the beginning of the sermon. Verse 27 finishes up our words today. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. If you remember, I highlighted the fact that the name Jethro is never used in the last 15 verses. The reason for this now becomes evident. The same departure is given more detail in Numbers chapter 10, where a different name for him is used, Hovav. Here's what it says Now Moses said to Hovav, the son of Reuel the Midianite, Moses' father in law, We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. And he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my relatives. So Moses said, "Please do not leave, inasmuch as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness, and you can be our eyes. And it shall be, if you go with us, indeed it shall be that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you." Jethro is Chovav; they're the same person. But the name Chovav comes from the verb Chavav, which means loves. The name Chovav means beloved or cherished. It is obviously the name by which he was remembered after this wonderful account in Exodus chapter 18, probably having been renamed by Moses because of his more than gracious advice which brought ease to Moses and order to Israel. In picture, Jethro or Hovav is a type of Christ as well. He introduced the Bible to the term ya'atz or counsel in verse 19 and it is the same word used to describe the coming Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9 where he is called pele yoetz or wonderful counselor Hobab, the beloved of Moses certainly fulfilled that role for him just as Jesus the beloved of God fulfills it for us throughout the Bible there are many people who come in fulfill a role and then depart from the scene Each is selected to show us a small picture of the Lord, his power, his wisdom, his love, his grace. Hovav was such a person. Together with Moses, they instituted a framework for society, both in the church and out, which has produced the most marvelous of results. The farther we get from the counsel found in the Bible, the further we get from what is right and appropriate for sound living. Like the prodigal son who decided that he could do things better without God we eventually end in very bad straits and we will ultimately find out that life without our father just doesn't work. We're seeing that in America right now because we have departed from the simplicity of what this man of wisdom gave us 3,500 years ago. And maybe you today individually maybe you need to return to your heavenly father and be reconciled to him. The Bible tells you how you can. It tells us that it is through Jesus. The one to whom all of scripture points to. Please let me tell you how he can bring you back home to your father, God. The Bible says that we are in a state of sin. We're depraved, we're morally deficient, we're rebelling against God. And I know people that aren't saved that say, no, I'm not, I love God. But they don't understand the depravity of their own sin, which separates them from God. And they live in their sin, they pursue their sin. And every time that they do that, they separate themselves further from their God. The Bible gives us one of two options as far as who we belong to. I was talking about uh, this with Vic before uh, church today, is that there are only two places that we can assign our allegiance. One is to God the Father through Jesus or Jesus Christ through to God the Father through Jesus Christ or the second is to the devil. Those are the only two places that we can assign our allegiance. There are no other options given in the Bible. Either you are a son of the devil or you are a son of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So I would ask you today to simply yield yourself to God. Say, I can't save myself. I'm already separated from God because of the sin in my life. And I want Christ to take that away. And I want him to lead me back to my father, God. And he will do it. He'll wash away your sins. They're nailed to the cross. And he will lead you for all of eternity, all of eternity. What a great God he is to allow us this option instead of wallowing in the sin that we're in please do it today if you've never asked jesus to forgive you please our closing verse today comes from ecclesiastes chapter 12 it is verse 11 the words of the wise are like goads and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd one shepherd that's why i say this book i've said this at the beginning of the sermon and i'll say it again right now just as my reminder to you i do not believe that we have any revelation belong beyond this word is because these are the words of the wise which are lead us to lead us back to God the Father. If somebody is in a church and he says, God just told me this, or if somebody says, God has given me the authority to speak for him, we have no cohesion at all in knowing who God is or how to get back to him. Because anybody can say anything. Don't listen to people that would add to this precious word. This is sufficient all by itself. Let me read you that again. The words of the wise are like goads. And the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. Next week is Exodus 19, verses one through nine. Sometimes obedience seems like a bitter pill. It's entitled, If You Will. That'll be our 52nd Exodus sermon. I'll tell you this, as I say each week, that the Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. Even if a deep ocean lies ahead of you, he can part the waters and he can lead you through it on dry ground, So follow him and trust him, and he will do marvelous things for you and through you. Okay? I have a poem today. It's a lot of verses. It's a shorter sermon, but the poem's a little longer. Um, It's called Wonderful Counsel. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat the people to judge, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening, everyone with a grudge. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing you are doing for the people? Keep it up and you will lose your head. Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? It's just not right, the thing that you do. And Moses said to his father-in-law when he did prod, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me. And I judge between one and another, you see. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws quite plainly. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. This is understood. For this thing is too much for you. Put this away on a shelf. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. This you should do. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws. You shall show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do, avoiding life's laws. Listen to me, Moses, as I continue to talk. Moreover, you shall select from all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such to be rulers of thousands over them, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Yes, do as I address. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter, every weighty grudge, they shall bring to you. But every small matter, they themselves shall judge." So it will be easier for you, it's true, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all the difficulties will cease and all this people will go also, it's true, to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice, of, uh, so Moses heeded the voice instead of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them over the people each ahead Rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds as well, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens, not just him instead. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases to Moses they brought, but they judged every small case themselves. They did just, they did as Jethro to Moses had taught. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went his way to his own land, to administration of the law. This was a great start. Moses paid heed to his elder, a man so wise And the advice he took became a standard in Israel. The advice was acceptable in God's eyes, and so Moses and the people carried it out quite well. We can learn from this story a lesson that keeping authority at the lowest level is best. We then won't need to be a guessin' if our lives will be fully blessed. When we handle the small stuff in life and only pass up the big things to those above us, we will avoid a lot of unnecessary strife, a model approved in the Old Testament by jesus and when we have real cares or woes we can skip every level and go straight to the lord for he alone every difficult resolution knows and most are already laid out in his word thank you for the lessons your word shows us and thank you above all O god for the wisdom of jesus hallelujah and amen heavenly father it is good to review these obscure stories stories that so many people just pass over without even considering them and to see that actually the foundation of entire societies is found in just a few words just a few verses the wisdom of one man who is willing to step forward and say what you're doing isn't good let me show you a better way help each one of us to be like Moses at that time and not to be offended but instead to say tell me what do you have for me to do Help us to evaluate each thing and to decide if it's in accord with your word. And if it is, or if it's not contrary to it, help us to cling to it and to pursue it and to continue on that path, knowing that it has been accepted by you. You're a great God. You sure are. Everything that you give us, this is a lesson for us to guide us and instruct us. And we do thank you for these instructions. What a wonderful word. Thank you, oh God. We love you. We praise you and we exalt you. And we do so in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right, we get the uh, instruction for the Lord's Supper directly from the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, with just the prayers added in, the blessing over the bread and the wine. And uh, having uh, Craig here today reminds me that there are other people that are watching streaming online. And uh, I'd like to uh, wish a special hello to Darlene and to uh, Arlena, who... I know that it's been a long and difficult trial up there in North Carolina and uh, we miss you and we love you and we hope that everything is fine with you. So uh, anyway, uh, here's what Paul wrote from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and he would have given thanks over it with these words, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'motzi lechem min ha-aretz. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And he broke it. He said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, and he would have blessed us as well. Baruch, Atah, Adonai, Eloheinu, Melech, Olam, Borei, Peri, Agathen. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. Creator of the fruit of the vine. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen. 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 amen Heavenly Father, how good it is to be in your in your church and to participate with other Christians and to know that when times are tough that others are there with us. it was so nice to hear Pat and Cindy's word on Thursday just a couple of days after uh, tom died we're here because of his family lord mm-hmm. what an honor it is to have such a wonderful extended family mm-hmm. to meet with and to share with and to love and to cherish and to encourage each other thank you for that god you are so so good to us thank you for jesus christ our lord thank you for his cross thank you for that oh god thank you for the gift of your holy spirit which seals us for the day of redemption and thank you for your word your superior word, which is such a treasure to tell us about all of these things. Thank you for it. We love you, we praise you, we exalt you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.